Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jack, and you're listening to Dev90X. It's day 38, and today is Monday. The major theme of today for me is that I have been significantly cutting back on caffeine, um, mainly from coffee, which is what I've been drinking, from something like, I, I don't know how much exactly, but but uh, I was having a triple shot latte in the morning and before that I would wake up and I would have some instant coffee to get me going. <laughs> um, so something something in in the realms of maybe maybe five servings a day um, for quite a while for maybe three weeks or so, and I knew that had to stop and I knew that was too much from the beginning of when I started drinking a lot more coffee. That was when I was sick, which I do not recommend. Uh, <laughs> if you get sick, I highly recommend that you just don't do what I do and insist on pushing through with, with something every single day as burnout is almost imminent. It's, it's like really hard to avoid. And even, even now as I'm, as I'm recording this, I don't really feel like doing anything because today I'm having a bit of a withdrawal day. Last night I had a couple of times when, when I woke up in covered in sweat and, uh, that's not, not really usual for me. And then I also woke up with a quite a bad headache in the back of my head and feeling quite drowsy and sleepy. So, and that's from weaning, weaning off, not from going cold turkey. So I, I'm definitely, definitely uh, recovering significantly today. Um, the theme for today's episode is that I am breaking all the rules and question is, should I stop breaking the rules? And this, this is really from an opinion from Paul from Hacking with Swift who says that you shouldn't do multiple different courses or be following along multiple different tutorial providers. You should just be doing one and you should finish it from start to finish. And that's going to work out a lot better for most people. I've been doing the wrong thing, I suppose. And I've been taking a little bit from all over the place. And I think I thought about that and I thought, oh, okay, uh, I kind of enjoy what I'm doing. I'm sort of I'm still I'm, I'm learning from different people and, and everyone has a different teaching style and then I realized that I guess I'm still in that phase of kind of shopping around and not I'm not willing to settle because I feel like there might be a better resource just around the corner and so I'm reflecting on this at the moment because I am following along a lot of different things, but very slowly on each one. For example, there's the, there's the Stanford iOS course, which is great and I really like it. But um, one of the points for my progress update today is that I've finished lecture two of this course and there's 16 lectures and I, st I started it like a week, a week ago. So I've just been doing a little bit of each episode each day. And, and then also I've been, doing the Learn to Code 2 series from Swift. And I've been doing about, you know, one module, not, not module, yeah, one module per day, um, which is like five or six different puzzles, like different coding puzzles. 
So there's a lot of different things that I'm working from and learning from and they all have their own strengths and weaknesses. Um, so I suppose I'm not ready in a way. I'm not ready to, to stop breaking the rules and just stick with one teacher or, or one course. I still do want to finish a couple of other little things before I really get down into something. Paul's course is 100 days of Swift. And so it goes for 100 days and it's pretty in depth. Um, I think that with the Stanford course, if I really wanted to, I could do one lecture per day and I'd be finished it in 16 days. So a much shorter course. So yeah, I, um, I finished lecture two of the Stanford course. There's 16 lectures in the series. Each one of them is about 90 minutes long. And from this, I've learned that I guess the key thing, well, one of the key things, there's a lot of little things that I'm picking up, but one of the main things is that MVC architecture, which is this very high-level, top-down approach to designing how the data flows from the view to the data to the view again, so that you have like a central source of truth, and then the views will change to reflect the central source of truth. It's called Model View Controller, MVC. And there's a new one on the block, new kit on the block called MVVM, which is model view, view model, where the model is the data, the view model is what listens to the data and writes to the data or like informs the data what, what needs to change. And then the view is what shows on the screen to reflect the, the data. So you don't want to actually store any, any data in your view. You want the view to ask the view model, what's happening with the data. And then you want to use the model itself to be the central source of truth to store all the data. And that is with Swift UI. So the main difference there is that MVC is with storyboard and UI kit. It's kind of like the old way of doing it. And then MVVM is Swift UI. And it's kind of like the new way of doing it. Um, and so I was very confused on that point. And also I just sort of didn't have that thing in my mind when I was looking at apps and reading through the projects and trying to figure out how they were, how they were pieced together. And now I know that if it's a Swift UI app, then it most likely is using MVVM. And if it's a UI kit app, then it's most likely using MVC, which is going to help a lot. I also finished the variables module in Learn to Code 2 Swift Playgrounds. I got to say like, hat off to Apple for making this so fun. It's so, it's, it's, when I think about playing games, at the moment I've been kind of daydreaming, daydreaming about just spending time playing games. <laughs> I've got a library of Steam games that I bought a long time ago and never played. And <laughs> there's been a lot of them in, that have just had a thread running in the back of my mind, like I'll play that someday. <laughs> That'll be fun when one day I play that. And so when I do think of doing something like that, and I, think, and I think of doing Learn to Code in Swift Playgrounds, I get totally excited about the concept of doing it because they're, these, they're like super fun. These puzzles are really fun. And they, do, they are very simple on the surface. And you could argue a waste of time if you already know how to code, if you already have some proficiency in the language. I mean, compared to 
me trying to, you know, modify a project to add in some custom features uh, and doing this, the learning outcome would be way better for me, like going into that program and trying to trying to build something new, trying to change something around. But it's just so fun. And you, you definitely do learn some of the nuances of, of the language and also just programming in general by solving these problems. For example, how to handle while loops and just those little logic tricks that you can get caught up on. Like, less, like while something something is less than something else, it'll execute when that variable matches. Or if you do while something something is less than or equal to something else, it'll run one more time after the variable ma matches. So, for example, like these little puzzles have you using, you're navigating a little alien dude around a little like waterfall island that's floating in space <laughs> and pressing switches and collecting gems basically. There's gems that are just, just hovering in the air and you, when, you're, when you walk on that square, you instruct the alien using these custom functions that have been written by, by the creators of this to collect gems or to, to turn, turn left, turn right, you know, move forward, press, uh, press switch, toggle switch. There's all these different ones. And you use these functions to, to complete the level. And there's various different conditions that you need to satisfy in order to complete the level. And they're and they've designed specifically to catch you out on these little details, such as the one where, you know, you're, you're supposed, you have to use a while loop, but you have to stop it when your, when, when your, you know, gems collected equals the same as switches switched. And yeah, I mean, it's just good. It's just good. That's, that's all I got to say about it. It's, it's definitely good. It's, it's definitely slightly bit of a waste of time, <laughs> but still useful and very fun. Um, to give you an idea of how long these things are, there's 45 small puzzles in Learner Code 2, and each one on average takes five to 10 minutes. So it's a fair chunk of time to sink into it, definitely, but it is fun. I also downloaded an app called Handstand Quest, which is probably the it's most similar in overall concept to my app, only that it doesn't use computer vision, it uses manual tracking. So either, and this is, this is I think, one of, one of the biggest failures of the design of this, this app. And this guy is actively maintaining this app and, and, and improving it and adding new features. And it's monetized and everything. It's, it's not a small app. It's definitely well-designed, well-designed to a certain extent and fully functional but um, just the core thing of tracking your handstands by pressing a button pressing the play button and then going into the handstand and then coming out of the handstand and then pressing the stop button that that's how you track your handstand but the thing is if you if you want to you know if you fall out it's not a good handstand you've got that time on the beginning and that time on the end that's that's supposedly tracking your handstand and how long you're holding a handstand for. That is inaccurate. It's just not accurate. You weren't actually in the handstand. So the whole data that you, that it's putting on a graph of your progress and your practice times and all that stuff is not really accurate. 
Not only, not only that, it's really inconvenient to have to press every single time. So he built a feature where you can do voice activation and you can remote control the start and the stop using just the word start or the word stop. And this works much better than having to touch the screen, but it also doesn't work perfectly. It doesn't always catch it. And so you, you kind of have to be watching your phone to make sure that it registered the command. Then you go into it. Because if you go into it and, it, and you said start, and you just go into your handstand, like you kind of just want it to be working in the background and you don't, have, don't want to have to think about it. If it didn't register the word, then it, doesn't, it wouldn't work. And then it's just very frustrating if, you know, if it's not working as you would expect. And to me, that's a deal, that's a deal breaker. Um, yeah, it needs to be working as you would expect. 99.999% of the time. Um, so the, that's so that you can trust that it, it's getting the data, it's tracking accurately, and you don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. There's no like kinks in the user experience. It's just, it's just very seamless. So I will continue playing around with this app to learn from it. And um, yeah, also I... I've been defaulting to the Unwrap app on my phone for learning, which is made by Paul from Hacking with Swift. I think this app is probably the best Swift programming specific learning app on the App Store at the moment. It's got a full library of mini tutorials, let's call them, like one minute mini micro tutorials on each aspect of the Swift programming language. And also examples, code examples, which is super nice because Apple's documentation doesn't really give you code examples. Um, and then also coding challenges and daily challenges and quizzes and things like that. I'm not really much for coding quizzes because I haven't had the best experience with them in the past. But these ones do seem pretty good. It's things like find the line where there's an error in this, in this little code. And that's a really good question to ask because for you to find the error, you have to understand the code. And so you have to read it. And then by reading it, you're learning code. Reading code is just a really good way of learning. And so I do, I really like that. I like the, the daily challenges. And I think I will continue defaulting to this. I used to have a default app for learning languages, which was Anki. And this was just perfect because even if you had, you know, just let's say 30 seconds of time where maybe you were waiting for your friend to meet you at a cafe or something like that, and they were about to arrive, but you still had the 30 seconds, you could still open up Anki and do like, you know, maybe five, 10 flashcards in 30 seconds. And that was useful. Like you could really make use of those small chunks of time throughout the day. And when it's something, when it's to do with learning, it's, it's really good to keep those touch points frequent. And so I've been waiting for having the equivalent for learning programming and I haven't found it, but I think Unwrap might be that, that equivalent. So I'm gonna keep trying Unwrap and I will report back on, on that. And yeah, I mentioned the, the course, Paul's course, 100 Days of Swift. It seems to be a really good course. Uh, there's a lot of people in the Slack group that are doing it and reporting 
their daily progress, which I really like. I like that there's a community around it and there's a forum where you can go and ask questions. This to me just seems like such a great environment for learning. And so I am thinking about doing Paul's course as well. But yeah, I don't want to, again, I already am doing a lot of different things. So I don't want to um, dilute my learning resources too, too much. At least let's finish some things off first before I go and start other things. Life update. Um, the biggest thing right now is weaning off caffeine, which leads me into my Jack's hack for the day. I was struggling to think of a hack and I even got a bit down on myself. I was like, huh, I pride myself on being, you know, a life hacker and I can't even think of 90 different life hacks. Like I'm struggling on day 38 to come up with new life hacks. <laughs> um, but you know, the reason is because that I'm just, I'm just having a bit of a down, down day and probably, I don't know, maybe even a down, down week if I'm coming off having too much caffeine. So my hack for today is weaning off coffee. My strategy. I thought I'd tell people my strategy because I, have a, I do have a strategy for this and I've done it <clears throat> multiple different times. So my strategy for weaning off coffee, usually the situation is pretty dire when I get to a point where I'm like, all right, everything, this is number one priority. You know, everything else falls below this. <laughs> and it always sucks because I inevitably feel like I'm letting people down. I'm canceling on plans. Uh, I'm not good enough. You know, all those negative feelings kind of creep in. And of course, I feel like my body just can't hack it. You know, I'm not strong. All these things, all these things. Um, and that usually happens when I am having a lot, you know, like I said before, I was having maybe five servings. If one shot of espresso was a serving, then let's say five per day. And I know there's people out there that are worse than that, but yeah, this is the point where I was like, I'm stressed because of this and it needs to change. So I'll usually drop at most one shot per day. And I found that if I drop more than this, then I will get an immediate withdrawal effect. So I try to keep it very, very minor. I'll get it down to the point where I'm having, um, so first thing I do is I try to control the dose. And if I don't know the dose, like I've, I'm having coffee from different sources and different amounts and I don't know how strong the shot is, for example, then I'll, I'll keep the source the same, then I'll figure out the dose. And then I, then I control the dose and wean off it that way. I always find that uh, this is much, much easier if you are not going to cafes for your coffee. So one of the first things I'd try to do is I try to switch over from going to a cafe and having somebody else pull my shots of coffee to me just making my own coffee. And I'll use instant coffee for this because you can always count the number of teaspoons. It always sucks because I'm always like, I, you know, I'm a bit of a coffee fanatic and I love the taste. I love the whole experience of going out to a cafe and smelling the grinds as they grind it. All that, all that stuff I love. But that is the first thing that has to go um, to control the dose. Then once I've controlled the dose and I know where I'm at with my tolerance and my sensitivity, I'll reduce it by a little bit each day. And usually it's like maximum 20% reduction in one day. Um, and this really does help to 
rather than dump me down, just kind of softly put me down. <laughs> uh, when I get to a lower dose, I swap over to tea as I've never, I've never felt like I'm truly addicted to tea, but it always helps me to stop completely if I'm stopping from tea and that's the final step. Swap over to tea. Tea bags are always a very uniform dose. So, you know, if you have one tea bag, you know how much is, how much is in it, how much you're getting. Um, and then go from there. So that's my hack. If anyone else is wondering how I deal with caffeine addiction, that is, that is my strategy. It doesn't always work, to be honest. I usually need a bit of discipline thrown in there, a, a little bit of accountability. Um, yeah, C coffee is, it is, it is so hard. And I, th I think this is true for pretty much everyone I know that drinks coffee every day and loves drinking coffee. It's just, it is the hardest thing in my opinion to, to get off when you're really deep, deep in the throngs of a caffeine coffee addiction. Uh, also I have a few things to report. Rainy season seems to have landed early this year, like very early. Usually it's like December to February and it is mid-September and it has been raining so much lately here in Bali. Uh, and a similar thing happened last year as well, actually. So climate is definitely changing here. I'm still reading Harry Potter in Bahasa every morning. Uh, I've kept my morning first and first thing in the morning to reading that book because it is just such a nice way to wake up. I just really like waking up that way. And it's the most effective way to keep learning Indonesian. And um, I'm 58% of the way through. I've significantly cut back on Duolingo as well. I was doing my Duolingo for like 30 to 45 minutes a day. So I could maintain my position in the Diamond League. <laughs> and that is no longer important to me because... To be honest, it's just not an effective way of learning compared to reading Harry Potter. Harry Potter is, it just, you know, it just, it, it dwarfs it in comparison of how quickly you can learn new vocabulary. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow.